Hey everybody, you are listening to Going Off Track. Track, 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 track. Uh, I am, as always, Stephen, joined in studio by our wonderful producer and host, Brad Goop. Hello. Now, we've had many a band member of Jonah Bayer here on the program, but we have not had one of Mr. Brad Goop until today. Today, today, today. today. Dean Jones. Yeah. The man behind Clowns for Progress. The man behind The Bar at Niagara a few years ago. And he has a book out right now called The Rise of the Cafe Racer that he put together his own bad self. And we're going to talk of Dino's journey from the East Village to the plains of Austin, Texas, to writing about vampires and motorcycles. Yeah, it's quite quite a journey. This is, you know, this is what happens when you... Leave the East Village. Leave the East Village. And take some improv classes. Certainly did. Yeah, he was. He had left the East Village before he left the East Village. <laughs> I remember he used to get up and take the band van and go out to the Rockaways and surf. Like he literally would. He'd come home from the bar shift at like five in the morning and and get in the van and go surf. Be the first guy on the beach. It's a bold man to go surf Rockaway. Yeah, can't imagine a lot of waves out there. Actually, he moved to Rockaway. He's probably driving. He probably wasn't driving to Rockaway to to. Uh, to serve, he's probably going out to Long Beach. One I of my should... favorite Dino stories that um, was that they were shooting on Seventh Street. Some TV show was shooting, and if they shoot on the street and they're doing a period piece, they need to move the cars. Right, it's legal for the police to just pick up your guitar, your car, and move it. And really, yeah, and they just take it and they move it down a few blocks. Right, and the next morning, people come out like, "Where the fuck's my car?" Right, Dino said he had known a guy. This this had happened to him before, so he was the one person who knew and like had run down to you know Avenue D to grab his car. Right, <laughs> those kind of things happen to him. Uh, Dean Jones, everybody, not the guy from the Love Bug. Please welcome musician, writer, improvisational comedian. Lover. Web designer. A lover. We don't need to talk about that. (laughs) Dean Jones, we've had people who have been in bands with Jonah, but finally, someone who's been in a band with Brad. Oh. Someone who was there in the day. What band? We're not going to talk about any of that. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Why don't you you tell everyone about what band you were in together? Do you know? Well, we were in a band called Clowns for Progress. And uh, before Brad joined, we used to wear clown makeup. And we had like slicked our hair back and tuxedos and everything, and Brad wouldn't have any of that. And so, <laughs> well, actually, to his credit, I think he was going to do it, but we decided to lose the makeup once so he joined. When was this? What would you say? Ninety-seven. You joined? Yes. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. We were we were rocking it. Went out on tour. Did a record. Kind of like every band's favorite band. Well, not every band's, but a bunch of bands' favorite <laughs> yeah. bands. So we got taken on these awesome tours, even though we had like you know. They're just obscure, yeah. yeah. Like what? What were some of the tours? Boston's. We did a bunch of stuff with them. Uh, Space Hog, who you kids probably don't know, but uh, they're what's big, that dude's name? They were big that year. <clears throat> Jenny Craig. Yeah, yeah, awesome, mm-hmm. great, amazing guys. Those oh, guys were so like, great. Yeah. Great musicians, just like like the Bowie. Yeah. Of, of yeah. musicians, they mm-hmm. unfortunately were about ten years ahead of their time because mm-hmm. they were like, or twenty years after their time because they were making. They're making albums, you know, like mm. kind of like what I think they, they were doing what a lot of bands are trying to do now here in Williamsburg. And, and no one has the time to listen to albums anymore. Yeah. But um, no, great guys. So, so, so Space Hog, Boston took you guys out on tour. Now, when did you switch it from? We did some Offspring shows. Yeah. Super Ooh. Suckers, Frank Black. Oh, Super Suckers would have been great. What era oh. Offspring was this? Uh, it was when I was in the band. So it yeah, was late. It was played like the hard 98. rock with him. Really? Oh, that yeah. was the best. Gig. That was awesome. <laughs> it was like you know when you're doing a show and you do sound check and you got to take a dump and you're like, all right, well, whatever. I'll use the ladies' room. You fucking go upstairs to your hotel room and take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> it was Aww. literally you were sleeping in the venue. Yeah, the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. Yeah, that must cool. have been tons of fun. Now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Why? What do you mean? <laughs> that must it's have that. been tons of fun. Now, so are you saying only fat people stay like there? Yeah, yeah. Only fat it was a fat joke. Yeah, yeah. Have that you been, been there? Tons. It's true. <laughs> only space hogs. Only space hogs. Nice. There <clears> it is. Dear. Welcome, and we're in. This podcast officially launched with the pun. Uh, here's something I don't know, Dino. Where, the, where are you from? I grew up in uh, upstate New York. Whereabouts? Like uh, Alfred, New York. That's like the only town on a map because they have this huge ceramic engineering school there. Is that anywhere near Malone? It's up in the. It's called the the Southern Tier or Western New York State because it's over near Buffalo, south of Buffalo. Ah, gotcha. A lot okay. of snow, a lot of you know. And when did you come to Manhattan to start? Like eighty nine. Eighty nine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And what was the what was the big plan? You know, I was going to school north of the city to art school, and all I was doing is coming down on the weekends, and it just was becoming more and more apparent that I did not want to be a sculptor, uh, that I wanted to fuck chicks. Oh, can I say? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we yeah. that, right? Yeah, you can definitely I just that. wanted you to can party. Chicks in this room. You can I can? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh. But Dino, seriously, you can say fuck, but you can't use the word chicks because it's derogatory oh, to women. Oh, because that's sexist. Yeah. It is sexist. But fucking is not sexist. Nope. Isn't that a fucked up world you we say, live in? Say well, could, I'd like to fuck smart women i would mm-hmm. love to fuck some really intelligent women mm-hmm. uh, tell us about all the dumb ones uh well that... <laughs> <laughs> no, i just moved down here to play music i didn't know you wanted to sculpt yeah i wanted to be well you know in high school my art teacher was like the scottish guy who was like there's not enough sculptors in the world and so he was like trying to really push me to be a sculptor i just love that guy i don't know that's, i would have been like you know what you're you're right yeah. i'm in yeah yeah there are plenty of sculptors they just all work in the toy industry yeah they don't get laid is the thing that's sculptors. True. you know nope. it's a thankless job you play rock and roll people go that was awesome what type of medium were you? I'm serious. Like, where were clay, you? Clay. And-, and then I was actually kind of psyched to be doing some of the metal sculpture that I was going to get into the next, you know, semester or whatever. But I was just, you know, I was into partying. I wasn't taking it serious. And I was north of the city. And I was just, every time I came into the city, it was just harder and harder to go back to this sleepy little art school. Were you playing in bands? When I first moved in, I played with a, in a couple bands, this garage rock band called The Vacant Lot. With Metro and yeah, Pete yeah, yeah. and those guys. Those and guys were pretty. That was like a, yeah, they were like kind of the premier garage. Yeah, they were in the A-Bones crowd and yeah. like all that. And that was cool. And then I just kind of got in with these guys. Mark Kostabi's brother, this artist, Ine. We, we were in a band called Big Fag. And that was just tough because nobody, they were either thought we were homophobic hardcore guys or that we were like... Giant like, English cigarettes. Like tranny guys. <laughs> yeah, or yes. giant cigarettes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's, that's where I thought, man. There's a lot of Phil Morris reps here again. Yeah. Yeah. We were sponsored by oh, that's great. Paul Mall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul but it Malls. wasn't until Johnny and I, the drummer, I wanted to become a lead singer and a front man, and so we just decided to do a band, and then we were watching Shakes the Clowns one night, and I was like, let's do that with our band. Let's wear clown makeup. And we did. Bobcat's the greatest. I think that's some of the greatest work ever. Shakes the clown. That is. A it lot really of people is a great have, movie. do not. Dude, his new stuff is pretty sick. God bless America. Did you see that? Uh-uh. His new <clears> movie. <throat> it's so killer. It's really I like. I'm seen. actually not. I'm. I like Bobcat's stand up a lot too. I think he's really. He's, he's badass. Really funny. Because I was. I almost texted you. I was listening to this podcast where Bobcat's talking about his new movie, which is him doing a mockumentary about people looking for Bigfoot. That's also a horror movie. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, see, yeah. that was kind of it. That, that was the response I was waiting for. I, so if he plays Bigfoot, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you seen? His, yeah, his, looks like I love that dude. His recent stand-up is great because he just he's like, it. I don't do the voice thing anymore, and he just kind of hate fucks the crowd. It's awesome. Uh-huh. I, no, he's I, great. Yeah, he's great at that as well. Like, yeah. So you're here in the city, and you're trying to you're trying to start a band. When do your paths cross, Brad? And well, Dina? I used to go to there. I mean, the clowns were very good PR. They had great, like, parties and great, uh, they had pretty hot chicks at the gigs, and then they had really good record release parties, I mm. recall. It's like, it was, it was definitely, like, you couldn't get into the clowns' record release parties. I don't know We were into promotion, yeah, big promotion. And you would do stuff, because we had Pinfield on the podcast, mm-hmm. and Brad mentioned it and talked about, like, some box you sent him. Oh, dude, I did a whole, I didn't just do it, like... You know, when you're when you're in a band and you're in New York and, you you know, we were just like, we had to get discovered. That was still mm-hmm. back when you thought you were going to get discovered, right. you know. So I was like, we got to get our video 
Terry Richardson shot a video for mm-hmm. us. He shot a black and white video of us like running around in our clown makeup. And so I took this big, huge box and I put an old TV in the bottom of it. <laughs> and then I put our, our CD, well, maybe it was our single at the time, and a copy of our video. And I was working as a delivery guy, like in a uniform, like moving furniture and shit. So I drove into the MTV lot and I was like, yeah, I got a delivery for Matt Pinfield. And they're like, okay, I'll sign for it. And I was like, no, I have to have Matt Pinfield sign for this. And they're like, we will accept this delivery. And I said, I will lose my job. <laughs> I need this fucking signed by him or I'm not giving it to you. I think it's like heavy duty electronic equipment because it was heavy. So I didn't actually get to meet him face to face, but they were like, we guarantee you, sir, that this will go to him. And so it made this big ass deal. And lo and behold, like a month later... I think there's no label on it or anything. No, no, I didn't put anything. And then he just opened it on the top and there's our single. And he actually, like a month later, he was doing his show and he had an H2O single. He's like, dude, here's here's two good bands from New York, like H2O and Clowns for Progress. And I was like, mission accomplished. Well, he became a fan, right? He did, he did. And then he asked us to play his, his house party out at the shore one year. And like... Johnny couldn't go. I forget what it was. He couldn't. Our drummer couldn't go. I, it was like something he was doing with his now wife. Um, but you know, it, when that shit happens, you're like, it's like you're drawing lines. Like you're either in the fucking band or you're out, bro. This is Matt Pinfield's fucking barbecue. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to find a drummer in New York? We cannot find a rock to throw. Yeah. <laughs> no. But- he was into us. He really liked the band. But wasn't there uh, some story that like like there was some picture of a uh, Kim Basinger or, like wearing one of your shirts or some some hot actress like? No, we had a that was a whole oh, other story. I that was, was that was uh, Daryl Hannah. Ah, yes, Daryl Hannah showed up at our show in L.A. The Kim Basinger of Mermaids. Yeah. And yes. she was wearing a shirt, and we're sa- I'm plugging in, and she's standing in front of me with a Clownster Progress shirt, and she looks at me, and she goes, "You must be Dino." I was just like. Fuck yeah, I'm Dino. <laughs> Fucking yeah, I am. I played the show and I was rocking. She stayed right up front the whole night. And we're done. And I look at Johnny and I'm rolling my cord up. It was at Club DeVille. And I'm like, dude, did you see that? Fucking Daryl Hannah is there. And he's just real cool. He's like, yeah, look at And Coco, <laughs> my fucking guitar player, is walking out the door with her. He didn't even load his gear off the stage. I had to take his amp off the stage. And he disappeared for three days with her. As you would. Yeah. But my dream crumpled. It was after that point I told him, you can't. I made him and Johnny both. I was like, you guys have to go in the back after shows. Because I'm the singer. Yeah. I'm supposed to like, Dar- that was Daryl Hannah was mine. That was supposed to be for me. I wouldn't have fumbled the ball. Right now, I would be in Daryl Hannah's house. Mm. My question is, how did he, so how did he do that from like the stage? Was he like, no, it turns like, you know, out <laughs> that Daryl Hannah's friend was like kind of new Coco. Mm. So she had kind of sold it a little, and I guess that's how they got the shirt. But, you know, I mean, to have Daryl Hannah unsolicited, I, she was like, you must be Dino. I was like, I must be fucking win the lotto. <laughs> Tar players. What happened to the band? Did Brad break you up? No, it just, you know, after you do something for like 10 years and you don't get the major success, you know, everybody's lives are going in different directions and it just got The funny thing was is that, I mean, I think you guys were kind of wanting to change a direction. So when I joined, the other two guys had split. So we became like kind of a power trio and we kind of, you know, I was coming from the whole like Warp Tour, Stormy Shepherd, like punk rock and we're like, so we tried... You know, we got some tours with some of those bands, but the funny thing was is that these guys, they actually had a really, a pretty big, solid, built-in audience across, you know, they'd done a bunch of tours, but it was all these fucking frat boys They just wanted to come out and fucking get wasted with guys in clown makeup. So, like, as soon as I joined the band, we literally lost half of our audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We they wanted went, the makeup. Well went, done, Brad. Yeah. These guys went from, like, playing house parties to, like, 200 faithful frat boys to playing, like, you know, like, big venues, but, like, with literally nobody there to see us. So... Yep. <laughs> that was tough. Did Daryl Hannah come by? Or? No, no more Daryl Hannah's. Yeah, that no was more. it for the Daryl. How long did it take you to regret the makeup idea? Like, were you just like, oh, I've I never regretted this. it. Really? I really have never regretted it because I think it was cool and it was stand out. And, and in hindsight, it was a good band, but 
I don't think it held us back. There's some people who might be like, yeah, if it wasn't for the makeup, like, no. But the thing is, is that also you got to remember this was before ICP. Like, this was before all of that. Yeah, yeah. So they, that band, they were getting compared more to Kiss than to like yeah. anybody right, else. Right, right. There was actually at one point when ICP challenged us. Jo- Johnny was dating this girl who was working at Polygram. And they, like, someone from Jive Records sent a thing over, and they wanted to wrestle us <laughs> in, in fucking Vegas. I'm serious. I, they're big wrestling fans, they're and I'm very glad you fans. said no. That, that oh, you would have been hurt. I was the only one. You know, Johnny and everybody's like, yeah, we'll wrestle them. I was like, this is not going to be an exhibition. No. They're going to want to fucking hurt yeah. us. <laughs> and they're going to hurt you guys badly. <laughs> and I'm going to make my way out of the ring. <laughs> you're going to get destroyed. You should have done it, and you were like, I'll be the manager. The guy was like, you can tell. Oh, no, yeah. I'd jump out the they were hitting people with chairs they literally know what they're doing yeah as wrestlers they know the whole shtick and can sell things they know what they're doing but mm. like smart play yeah i didn't want to get involved no. in that i didn't want to be associated <laughs> with like the hip-hop clowns and, they like you know. they, they wrestled in wcw when um uh shit doyle and jerry only were wrestling what yeah what? <laughs> doyle and jerry only wrestled. oh yes there was a wrestler named vampiro Right. Who? Um, when was this? This yeah, was like, when this was was like this? about ten years ago, and uh, before, or maybe actually not ten years. It had to be longer. But between um, when WWF was WWF and they bought up WCW, they tried this celebrity thing where they got Insane Clown Posse, who loved wrestling, so they would come in and they were actually pretty good. Then you had Jerry Only and Doyle, who were always jacked. They couldn't wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't really know. But they're so oily, they probably sque- oh, yeah. couldn't get a hold of them. <laughs> they just squeezed right out of it. They'd pull people out of devil lock. <laughs> Doyle was pretty... I mean, he Vampiro had, was yeah. this... He had huge r- muscles, though. Yeah, oh, yeah but just- they're older men. I mean, yeah. they're in their 50s. You know, yeah. you don't start slamming shit around at that No, age. no, 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 yeah. no. And the wrestlers just still do it as sad. But I remember seeing Insane Clown Posse wrestle, and they still do that as part of their show yeah, yeah. where they pull out the tables they break them they know i hit each other with a chair like that's some dangerous shit yeah 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 well i was played. hip to that that, yeah, I was that hip could to have that. been I was like, you <clears throat> no never it wasn't gonna be me i, I was <laughs> to that mess i was like no what they want to do it as a publicity stunt to beat the shit out of us Wait, so how, what was the time period, though, of ICP? Was, like, you guys were first, and then when did they... That was before Goop, yeah. I, well, I really <clears> feel <throat> like... I, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, they saw our thing and bid it. I, I wouldn't say that with them, but it was right around the same time. I mean, it was very much... Like, we were doing it in 93, you know? Me and Johnny were just doing it, putting Damn. demos out, you know? It's like, again, band stuff. It's like yeah. such a hard, hard tale to live. And whenever I see, whenever I see someone on TV or in a movie, I'm like, oh, that, that's great. They did really well. Yes. And I think, thank you. They're so lucky. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It, like, that's all it is. You got to be good, really and then well. you got to be lucky. Sure. <clears throat> and we weren't lucky. We were good. We had fun. Oh, you had fun. You had but you know time. who summed it up the best for me? Nate from the Boston said to me one time, I hadn't seen him in years after we did it. We did a, we, we got to go out with them for a whole spring tour when at the height of their knock on wood and the whole bit. They wrote that, right? Yeah. 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 Flat out. And I was like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. The clowns had broken up. And, you know, he's like, but dude, you had it. And I was like, well, you know, we, we played with you. And he's like, 45 minutes. He's like, you played to the same people. You're on the same <laughs> stage just 45 minutes earlier. And I was like, that's the name of my new band. <laughs> 45 minutes. You know, he's but a good he, dude. He was great, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Voy- uh, he wrote, he wrote uh, Lean on Sheena with uh, Avoid One Thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a yeah. beautiful song. Souls uh, cover that. Avoid One Thing is, is, uh, is the other guy from the Boston's. Is it? I think yeah. it was just, that was just Nate. No, no, no. Was that Nate? Gittleman? I, th- I thought it was a uh, bass player. Gittleman. Gittleman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, he wrote a lot of stuff. Too. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm backwards. Yeah, I think it's Gittleman's. I get yeah. confused. So when I met you was uh, in that, what I like to call the hip-happening East Village scene of the early 2000s. <laughs> it was right when in the thick of it, when the East Village was dark yeah. and dirty and yeah. they were <laughs> so heavy. Yeah, it was and heavy. The, park was clean i have no idea that's that's all i know about all i know is that from the time that i lived there which was a short amount of time it's a thousand times that's so wow pathetic. wow <laughs> i'm walking out I'm, can i sorry guys cubert came by that was the alarm to tell me that jonah's beer was in the not gonna freeze uh, in the freezer that is very sweet of you brad and i will not make fun i, I will not that. make By the way, these are nice that. and cold these i do nice. appreciate that but i also love the fact that it's you the producer's like everybody's phone's off 
It Wonderful. Is, it is off too. That's weird. I apologize for my dated Cubert joke. <laughs> that's not. That's not cool. You're just trying to help. <laughs> I'll take any Cubert joke. Yeah. You would do as. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> oh my god! Oh man! You just made this so. My wow. edits have been so easy to do. It's like Wayne and Garth in here. Yeah. <laughs> really, dude. It's usually more professional. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally not. We've pulled, we've pulled cords out and ruined things. It's great. <laughs> um, you would do this uh, amazing bartender night at Niagara that you had. Uh, forgive me if it was DTV or Dino TV. Yeah. Yeah. And you would put these ridiculous videos together. They were playing all over Niagara. And then to separate your bar night from others, there was popcorn being made yeah. ad nauseum. It was, I, I wanted to make it special. You don't realize how important popcorn is until you're drinking and you're like, this is the best thing ever. That ever happened. <laughs> it was really wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But I had no idea about, and it all makes sense with the art of like what you do as a designer. Because, you know, everybody's got their gigs, they do mm-hmm. stuff, and you've been doing this forever and put things together. But you would put these videos together, which, I mean, uh, Mike is a television producer. These were super pro yeah. with graphics up, all bled together with transitions that he had on big time old TV screens in a bar just yeah. for, for people to ignore. And I remember <laughs> sitting and watching them and going, how do you get this queen footage? Like, I've never seen this before. It was yeah. crazy shit that you put together. Yeah, well, I just awesome. wanted to put, like, movie. I just took old movies and cut them up and then put like cool songs you know like the exorcist with like black sabbath you know and and it's funny because out of that do you still have these i have <laughs> copies of them really i made you like 12 be. hours of them <clears throat> great and so many times you know josh homie came in one time uh, loved him so much i gave him a whole dude, complete set i know because he goes to, he's like my one of my favorite dudes like that i've never met or dealt with or done anything but again, I know he is like a big Niagara dude. It's where they go for every... Yeah. I can't go there and stalk, though, after shows or whatever. Anyway, sorry. I don't know if they still go there. I mean, this no, was a that's long what time I, ago. Well, he Maybe just, they recently, do. like a few years back, he got in a fight there. He punched somebody in the face. There's all kinds of stories about Josh doing something, usually to a stroke. But I, I'm <laughs> going to tell you the best, best story with my DTV ones is this dude had been drinking all night. He's with his other chick. He's like a good-looking California guy, like a middle-aged man, you know, like good-looking, you know, but he's wasted. And he was just like, these videos are insane. They're so great because it was all cool music and cool movies. And he's like, where'd you get them? I said, I made them. I cut them all up. And he was like, no way. He goes, I would love to have those. And I was like, well, you know, I could probably sell you, you know, I just burn copies of them. I can, and he goes, let me, he's like, let me tell you something. And he makes me lean over and he's like, okay. He goes, I'm in the Eagles. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And he's like, I'm in the Eagles. And I used to have his, still have his number. Like, I was like, you're Don, he goes, I play drums in the Eagles. And I was like, oh, you're Don Henley. And he was like, I play drums when Don Henley's singing. And this chick who's with him is going, he's telling the truth. He's telling the <laughs> truth. He's not lying. And I was like, well, okay, dude. Okay, Don Henley's man. Like, what, what do you want? And he's like, I will. If you give me all of these discs for, from you tonight, I'll put you on the list for the show tomorrow. And I was like, you're, you're not just doing this to try and like get all my discs, are you? And he was like, no, no, I really am. And so I was like, you know what? These are just fucking copies. So I gave them to him. He's like, here, call me. And I forget his name. It was in there, my phone forever. And I called him. And sure enough, he VIP'd us out at like the Continental Airlines Arena. We were in the VIP room, fucking Baba Booey's over there. And I'm just hanging out. And I took Bonnell, me and my wife, and Brian and Carrie went. And me and Bonnell got all these shrooms, right? And I was like sober guy. So I couldn't tell my wife. And we ate all these shrooms. And we're fucking watching Desperado. And I'm looking at him, and we're both crying. <laughs> and I'm all fucking shroomed out. And like, oh, fucking Desperado, man. And it was fucked up. What, did he really play there. drums during no, the show? He did, no, and he really was. He was just kind of a background percussionist. And then when Henley would come out and do all his like, on the sunset strip, he was like back on the drums. And I was like, wow, imagine that. <laughs> See, my my author ending for that story was, I'm going to give you the discs if you never come to this bar again. <laughs> no, he was actually cool. He was just wasted, like <laughs> wasted. So, you you know, when somebody's that wasted, you know, you can't trust. I'm like, I'm Don Henley's drummer. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Don Henley plays the drums, my man. When he's not, I'm playing yeah, them. Like, sound, okay. That sounds like a lot of Sounds yeah. like bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but Leap of Faith. Yeah. Really love that Steve, greatest hits package. Steve Crago. That was his name, Steve Crago. Look it up. Look it up. Look everyone. it up. Google him. He yeah, was Google a him. super cool guy. I bet super he's cool ve- very nice, and what a great gig with an awful, awful band. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, the Eagles have been overplayed, but, you know, I, but I'm old. You have a Ramones tattoo. You no, cannot I be know, saying any I, of this. I, you know what it is for At me? all. The Eagles, when Stop I was a it. little kid, no. my mom would have parties where everyone <clears throat> smoked pot, and it was like, you know, Desperado. Mm. And I could, like, go and grab roaches. And- uh, speaking of which, we should talk about your first gig. If we're going to go back there. My first the first gig? place you ever played? The first place I ever played? Yeah. Oh, with my dad. I did play music with my father when he, I was a kid. He hung out in bars with his dad. My dad had like a country <laughs> wedding band when I was a kid. What? Yeah. He got me, a, my parents were divorced, but he got me a set of drums when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And like exactly like seven <clears throat> months later, he showed up and he's like, and he's a trip. My dad, he's like, hey, can you play those drums? And I was like, kind of. He goes, great. You're my, you're my drummer tonight. <laughs> he fired his drummer. And I had to like, from that point on, I was just playing drums. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, it was kind of on because it wasn't just like country. It was like in upstate New York, like you played like four hours. The first set would be old school country. Yeah. Then it was Beatles. Then it was, I mean, and, and the night would end. He would just go like, yeah, sing sharp dressed man. And I was like, I don't know the words. And he'd be like, doesn't matter. <laughs> Blue shoes, green hair, doesn't matter, I'm fucking there. And he, because my dad was all about that. He's like, the words don't matter. People don't care. Just make them up. That's a and- good song to make up words to. You're like, uh, clean shirt. I just, I just need to tell you that Dino has maintained this attitude. Yeah. When we're in the yeah. crowds, we'd be like, okay, we got to read lyrics to this song. Dino, we spent fucking we we've been writing the music for three weeks. He's like, yeah, we got to record it tomorrow. We got to put the words down. But we have like three. You have like three words for the chorus. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Words don't matter. We'll just <laughs> just say something. Just rock it out. <laughs> just just improvise, something. right? Improvise. Yeah. And thus was born. Improvise. What was that one song? On their last record. Oh, the Inundated Man. No, no, not Inundated. What was the one where we were just literally like saying like catchphrases? No, fuck, I don't know. Yeah, we had a few of them, though, that we were just like, (laughs) yeah, just let's say some shit that would be cool to say in a song. (laughs) You got soul, that was it. Oh, Oh, you got soul was literally, we were like, it was was like a business meeting. (laughs) What do you got? It's like... uh, Feeling good. Okay, feeling good. Because people like to feel good. Feeling good. The words don't. The, Eating from one line to the chips. next, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you got soul. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> it was like a jingle. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like, kind of being in the East Village now, kind of revisiting that? I know it's changed so much. Is it depressing or like? It is different. Yeah. I don't know if I'm depressed, but it's. I mean, it's just. It's not. I spent some time last night hanging out with some buddies who were my age, and we were just saying, like, what is it that we that just makes us so, like, meh about it? And I think it was that when you moved here then, everyone from every other part of the country that felt as disaffected as you did, who didn't want to be a part of the mainstream, lived here, and you lived on these outer areas. I lived in East Harlem when I first got here, and then you moved oh. to the East Village because there was – you could live in – you know, your your bros hooked you up in the bar and like we used to go into Trash and Vaudeville and the girls who worked there, because we were just cool guys in bands, they would just ring you up for like nothing. Yeah. And you'd, you'd, <laughs> you'd buy shoes and leather pants and fucking crazy shit and they'd ring you up for like $20 because yeah. they were like supporting the bros. And it just, now it's just, everything is a, a storefront in a, you know, in a condo. And and I, th- I think the difference is, is that the people who live in the East Village aren't just hanging out and like they're not working in service industry and doing that stuff they're working somewhere hard to pay for this apartment mm-hmm. yeah, so five thousand dollars they're not artists and and actors and musicians <laughs> and poets <clears throat> and weirdos and perverts and trannies <laughs> and which are the things that i liked when i moved here mm-hmm. you know wonder where all this wonder where all those people went austin my friend <laughs> yeah i was gonna yeah. say austin is the best thing the best decision i made because when you because when i met you it was not long until like the countdown started like mm-hmm. you were you were getting the fuck out yeah well you get married and then you once you take the potential of like i want to go out and get laid every night of the week like i was like i don't really enjoy this city that much mm. you know? yes. but it's, you were it's expensive and 
In the last few years here, you were barely here, dude. Yeah, dude I moved out, out to the surfing beach. surfing all the time. Yeah, you were because yeah. you were up in Rockaway. I lived out in Rockaway. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. My wife hated it because it was so isolated. And mm-hmm. but uh, but it works if you you know you're bartending periodically and you have a web design company. Yeah, yeah, we're doing graphics, and that's when we kind of just decided. You know, we're doing graphic design and web stuff, and we can live anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know. And so I, why Austin? Did you throw a dart, or you'd been there before? I I've been there touring, and you know, when you tour the country, you realize that most of these <clears throat> cities all look the same. All these places, but like. Austin, San Francisco, mm-hmm. San Diego. There's a few places that have a little character. And my drummer's sister and some of his other family, who I've always been close with, lived out in Austin. And they were like, they're giving houses away. It's so cheap. And there's work and it's booming. And so we were like, fuck it. Let's, let's go out there. And you could do the web stuff out there. And so you're that. out there. And... <clears throat> I had no idea about, you know, the comedy aspirations. I met Joe a number of times with Side One, and I knew he did kind of, um, like, spoken word Ramon stories mm-hmm. and things like that, and he was great. But I see, you know, his Facebook postings all the time about comedy show here. I'm like, well, oh, he's yeah. full he's into it. He's going for it. He's going I, for it. I find, I took a bunch of classes at UCB, took a bunch of classes at the pit, and I really enjoyed it. But I got to a point where I went, I'm really happy with where I'm at, mm-hmm. uh, which is a terrible sentence because I ended with a preposition. But I wasn't very, I don't know. I watched so many young kids, like 19 and 20 from NYU and really good. And I was like, I'm having so much fun watching them in this scene. Oh, shit. I'm in the scene with them. I should be a little more present. Maybe I'm a better appreciator mm-hmm. of improv. And I just find it super fucking hard to do. And I think stand-up is a thousand times harder than being in a band. I think it's the the hardest job. Um, when did you decide to, I don't know, dive into comedy in the Austin scene? I just kind of, uh, you know, my muscle memory had me like trying to get in a band down there. And, uh, you know, it's just... I talked to you in a band down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was doing it. And I was also, but I was also enjoying like producing it and recording it and doing that kind of stuff. But the band thing was just getting too lame. I wasn't into rehearsing and and playing shows and loading gear. And so just on a whim, I took an acting class at the State Theater down there. And my acting teacher was like, you know, Dino, I bet you would love improv. And I took an improv class and I was just like, this shit is awesome. And it's such a thriving improv scene there that there's just, you can play uh, two or three times a week if you want. There's like four or five theaters. What kind of improv is it though? Is it like game-based? Is it herald-based? There's all of it. it? There's, I did a lot of long-form stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm in troops that do, we do short-form montage, but I mean, I got really involved in these long-form, like, <clears throat> I did a improvised film noir show that ran for eight weeks, and then I did a, some like a 50s kind of sitcom-based long-form show, but then the big one was Batman. We brought back a 1960s Batman and would do a Batman show. Me as Batman. Damn straight. <clears throat> so it was just fun. And you had the costume made because I saw the pictures. Yeah, we did. There's a girl who was like a total like, you know, costume Comic-Con chick and she made an epic Batman costume for me. Dude, those, the people, that's their gig is making the costumes for cosplay. Yeah. I was, la- not this past Comic-Con, but the previous years, there was a guy walking around as Dark Helmet from Spaceballs and it was exactly like the movie and... People were like, oh, my God, this is incredible. What a great piece. And he's like, my wife made it. And he would hand you his car. Oh, nice. And her car, that's what she did. <laughs> and it might have been fucking Austin. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. Now, did you come up with the idea for the Batman show? No, actually, the girl who played Robin did. She's married. To, her and her husband run this theater. Girl who played Robin. I love the girl who played, played Robin. The, yeah, it was the Tom girl. Frank Miller. But, you know, to her credit, this girl, Casey uh, Beeler, she's super cool. Like, and was really into, I mean, for a young girl, I mean, she's like 24, and she was super into Batman and Robin, like the 60s Batman and Robin, and into Robin. And I just messing around one time with her. On stage, there was like a festival that was happening, and I came out and started being Batman. And I did a really good impersonation of Batman, and she just was like, would you be interested in doing an improvised Batman show? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and that was it. Dude, I met Adam West years ago, and it was just like trying not to sob. Mike just worked with him. I just did an interview. With, yeah, we did an interview with him last Comic-Con. I had to beg his manager. To, he goes, Mr. West doesn't do interviews. <laughs> And he was like, it was at Comic Con where we went and stalked him, like, and he, it was where people were handing him, I believe, almost eighty to a hundred dollars per signature per autograph, and there was a line 
like, he's 80 to the horizon. I know that for a fact. He's 80 wow. and he was amazing. He just he heard his back mountain climbing or whatever. He heard his back <clears> banging <throat> someone. What, That's was what, nas- <laughs> what was the nationality of his publicist? That was an interesting. There's answer. an old. He's, no, I mean, like, he's, <laughs> he was a pirate. He's a pirate. So he was like really, really like spray tan. Maybe spray if you took off the pack. And he had, uh, he had like, r- like flat iron blonde wiggish hair coming down and sunglasses, big sunglasses. And he goes, there's, let me tell you something, kid. <laughs> he didn't sound like this at all. No, he just said Keep like going. he said. I like him. He goes, "There's only two people that anyone cares about at a Comic Con: Adam West or Shatner." And we don't have Shatner here. We have Adam West. And I was like, "So can we talk to him?" And he goes, "He doesn't do he doesn't do interviews." And I was like, "Okay, look, we're this is a huge MTV nerdy thing. It's called MTV Geek, blah blah blah." And then he's like, "I harassed him to the point where he's like." Meet us outside this theater at this time. At the point they, where he was doing his, like you know, he was Batman and Robin. Uh, were it was uh, Burt Ward was there, who was completely blown out. Does not look good. He, no, he's, no, no, you know, he's like, no. uh, you know, and uh, but Adam West came out. He'll do that too. Adam West came out, and again, Adam West came came right off off to the side, and he goes gave us a long interview but he also came out he's like in an ascot he looks just like he did pretty much like because he's awesome he's amazing right <laughs> and he literally he he came over and i was like uh oh, hi mr west and then he just looked at me and turned around and walked away and i was like this is the greatest what's he do? and then he literally just kept he kept walking and i'm like is he really leaving what he's like Ah, oh, just kidding around. And like, and he came back and he's like, and we had questions like, you know, okay, go ahead, like Catwoman, which Catwoman did you, you know? And he goes, all of them. And then uh, or, I was like, you nice. know, and, and he's just so funny and like, you know, I was like, dude, I was so waiting for he this was to the come best. In. Yeah, he was the best. Uh, he was, he was so cool. And again, it like, yeah, I love that. He probably did Batman. a panel. I with, love that old Batman. Yeah, he did a panel with Burt Ward, and Burt Ward's like, you people don't understand. He ruined me. He said that that same, yeah. it was weird at the tail end. He's like, and again, Mr. West ruined my life. And he's like, you loved it. Like, you know, <laughs> like he just would make jokes and come in. I was like, he's the best. How and he's a hundred. Oh, he, well, he, he turned, was, he made him like a, a boozed a out fornicator. drunkard fornicator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Burt Ward looks like, sh- well, again, he's all, he, you know, The whatever. guy Mike referred to as blown out if you <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Burt Ward. But also, fuck Burt Ward, too. He wouldn't talk to us, either. He, yeah, like, left on a golf cart. I was like, you know what? Fuck you, fatty. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, whatever. Look, Adam West is talking to us. Dude, so <laughs> as I, I back everything about the 1960s Batman. Yeah, Anything that's happening. Is it still going on in Austin? Do you still do it? No, no. It was just, uh, This theater does so many runs, like... Themed run Star Trek ones and everything, and we've done a couple. We did some festivals like on the road with it, and uh, but you know we just moved on. I I really back the idea of you know moving to a town and getting involved in the arts, and you just keep it in the town. You know what I mean? You're not. It's not like uh, are we going to go do whose line is it anyway? No, we don't give a shit. This yeah. is more fun. And yeah, there's people coming to see it. I just think that's cool. You should do that. Uh, <laughs> so do you run out your place for South by Southwest and just leave town? Uh, no, no, no I don't do dogs that. Dogs would eat people's yeah, face. I got too much yeah. Of a, yeah, I got dogs. And gotcha. I thought you were going to say, did you rent out your Adam West costume? <laughs> yeah. <now?" laughs> no, but I tell you what I do. It is really well done. Which is one of the funnest things of living in Austin is we did a, the girl who played Robin Casey and I did a, just a pickup show just as the two of us in costume as Batman and Robin about eight months ago or so. Maybe it was a little longer. And so I just got on my motorcycle in full costume and rode around town on my way to the theater just because I just wanted to. Of course. <laughs> and I've got a totally blacked out bike. And it was great because I'd just be letting people go, hey, Batman. And I was like, hello, citizens. And just keep on fucking trucking. And nobody was even freaked out. They were like, Batman. And I was like, as you were, as you were. They probably felt safe. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> So there are no helmet laws in Austin? <laughs> no, there. Well, you know, you don't have to. I didn't wear one. I had my mat. It was fucking hard with the cowl, too. I thought I was going to wreck because I, my cowl was like, you know. But I totally want to do like a video of me just riding around as Batman. You should make the bat cycle, man. Yeah. Because there's a sidecar. Yeah. It spins off and does the whole shebang. Toy idea. Uh, so then you wrote a book. I did. I you know, he brought a copy here. Let's I show it. A copy. Let's show it to the listeners. <laughs> to the listeners here. Wait, can you read us a little excerpt from the book? <laughs> Speed readers oh, out there. there. Oh shit! Sounds what I did. Like... The same theaters that I play in. One of them does a lot of musical theater, and I started doing a lot of musical theater, which I really love. Making up musicals on the spot, which oh. is pretty epic. Um, that's and, a whole like 
genre of improv that I know yeah. the people who do it in in New York, man, there's just a devoted following because you can be as funny and goofy and nerdy as you want, but if you are a musical nerd, it <laughs> yeah. never leaves you. <laughs> and it's kind of like the espresso of improv. Like you just can't go back to just drinking coffee after that. After you're like <laughs> m- making up songs and musicals on the spot, it's just kind of like, oh, you want to do regular improv? Yeah, that's not a problem. With, with a full band? No, it, no. Usually there's there's a handful of musical improvisers out there, guys who are keyboards, and mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just a keyboard, keyboardist, so it can lend itself to like show tuny or okay. just sometimes rock though too. Mm-hmm. And and uh, but at any rate, this guy Tom Booker who runs uh, the Institution Theater, he said to me, "You should write a musical, Dino. You just should fucking do it." Because I wrote a theme song for a show and everybody was digging it. He's like, "Just write a whole show," and I was like, "I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it." Because I always wanted to. So I wrote a musical and I wrote the songs first and I was going to kind of do this like I wanted it to be kind of like Grease and Cry Baby and, you know, because I wanted to have 50s-ish and punk songs. And as I was uh, halfway through writing the songs, I just was like, I want it to be fucked up. And I was like, even though it was kind of trendy, I was like, I'm going to make them vampires because I want the whole show to be dark and at night and have gothic clothing. So once I made them vampires, I just started writing down all these other ideas I had for the songs. And then I just, all of a sudden I had a, I had enough information. I was like, I have to write a book because there's so much of a story in my mind. And so I started writing a book. And then as I was writing that book, I had so much for the second. I have to, I started the second book and I have a third book and it's with, and they're going to have soundtracks, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's going to be soundtracks to each of them. So I'm hoping that's my shtick. Yeah. We'll talk about that because so <clears throat> I got this book I, I've read. I haven't finished it. Sorry. It's okay. Why would you admit that? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, can I check it out? I have kids. I haven't finished a book in three years. Um, but like the real thing that I saw that you're getting a lot of attention for is the fact that you've, there's music. If you get the iPad version, the music's embedded mm-hmm. where you want it to play. So you can be reading it on your iPad. This is really cool. That's awesome. I yeah, know. I'm reading on your iPad and all of a sudden there's like a little logo or icon for the song and yeah. you can play the song. And it's really specific to, to that scene. You know, there's some rebel vampires that play kind of almost like fife and drum kind of dropkick Murphys-esque folk songs. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, they're like outlaws. And so they'll just, you know, I'll have a pub scene where they're talking and singing. And then it's like, boom, you can play the song. And and uh, and I kind of played all the instruments. I played all the instruments. You know, I'm a multi sexual person. Oh, really? uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever works (laughs) when the lights are off. An but it's just been is fun. Orifice. More than anything, it's just been really fun to just make up this world. It's a thousand years in the future after, you know, vampires have hunted humans to extinction. So the kind of the rules are off. I got to create my world the way I wanted it, kind of Iron Age, almost Game of Thrones era. But they have automobiles and motorcycles. And, and, uh, and so I just do what I want. And the title is? Rise of the Cafe Racer. And here's how much of a dipshit I am. I had no idea that was referencing a motorcycle or anything because well, I'm in no way, shape, or it's form. It's kind of an cool. obscure bike. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I saw something about it recently. Like on TV, it said something like, and this month was, oh, it's an old cafe racer. And I was like, oh, I thought it was guy who raced. I should read it. Fuck. Have Drink you had- too much coffee. You <laughs> a cafe racer. Have you That's had any was- like real vampire nerds be like, Actually, a vampire wouldn't act that way or anything. Uh, yeah, I was gonna just that's say exactly that's a great sound. that's yeah. a great question too. Or like, like continuity, like it's like really, uh, you know. Excuse me, on the back of your book, it says that there's no blood because there's yeah. no human. So what do they eat? Is yeah, there clearly, true blood? Well, I did um, cover that. Yeah, no, I did cover that. They do uh, synthesize. So uh, like, a, yeah, they have. They yeah. do. They synthesized animals and cranberries to have this blood berry plant. But what so if there are no cranberries? Uh, well, excuse me, is the sky, uh, do they still have, yeah, like, so there's all these questions well, you now because the I'm nerdy the beauty too. Of vamp- <laughs> like, I got questions. The beauty of vampire lore is that you I did embrace it. a lot of the standards, but I also, because I eliminated human beings and I created a, a, a sustenance for them, they don't have supernatural powers. It's not blah, they're not fucking bats and they're, mm. they're kind of like, it's a kind of a repressed society and they don't have... Yeah, you know, they're they're really encouraged to find a specialty in mining or some other thing in a job, and and they go through this fledgling stage where their passions are high, and they're really encouraged to just ignore that and get out of it. And that's kind of what the book is. There's a motorcycle race that happens every 120 years, and it's kind of a way of a distraction of sorts for the realm. And the winner gets to be this kind of pontiff of a king of the undead. It's really not a a, a ruling position. 
But it's usually the wealthier vampires that build these motorcycles and race them, and it's a pageantry of it. And this young kind of bastard vampire, he doesn't have a father, he decides that he's going to run the pike. And, and this, this neighbor guy convinces him to, to race a cafe race. And the reason I wanted to do that, at the time I was, I was taking an old bike of mine and I was having a guy kind of cafe it out, you know, which is they drop the bars and they make the seats flat and it's got that real old British bike look, you know, and it's just a cool bare bones thing. And it's like, like, like the like, opposite. Like an Indian or one of those bikes? It's more like Triumphs and like old ah. Triumphs were kind of thing and Nortons and stuff like that and British bikes. Like a little you know. fairing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's just a different kind of – it's a real tight and low. Okay. It's the contrast to the American bikes <sighs> of the cruisers there. Got it. And so that's what I wanted. I wanted him to just be cool and like an old-fashioned vampire. And just from that, I just – honestly, I used a lot of my improv stuff. I just – I didn't overthink the details and I would write a song that got very specific and then I would justify it in the story. I was like, wow, I just said all this crazy shit. I'm going to now justify it in the story. And it allowed me to make the story just all over the place. It is interesting with, well, any story because you make the rules, but people think there's certain laws of vampires and they've never read, uh, you know, Dracula. Right. If you read that, he walks around the daytime. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like daywalker. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, but right. like I have, I have a buddy that um, I got to introduce you to. Great <laughs> shit. That was my that studio's was falling vampire. apart. Uh, this um, is the talking. anarchy. A uh, buddy of mine who, who writes, uh, uh, he has a trilogy of vampire books, and one of them, his whole thing is like, uh, you can't be made a vampire unless you're bitten by a male and female vampire. Like he has this whole oh, like nice. Uh, no, I love stuff like this, Similar. and I think this is great. I mean, yeah. I like a new twist on everything, minus the Twilight thing. That's where I right. Yeah, sparkles, unwatchable. Yeah, you don't sparkle. And what do you, I was like, where's the where's the fa- they don't have fa- fangs? They're fucking vampires. No, their teeth are just beautiful and sharp. I was fuck you. No, they're not. Like that's not that's not the way it happens. <laughs> Mine file fangs. theirs down because it's considered kind of garish. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's cool though. See, I but, like and that. I think I'm with you on this, Mike. I think it's like all I wanted to. I'm not. Like I'm it. fine with the rules as long as the rules are. I have a glossary in the back of just indigenous terms, and I really, I made rules and I stuck by my rules. You know what I mean? And so I think that's the most important thing. I know I'm like a big Tolkien fan, and I always loved. I drew maps of this, of the capital, and of the mm-hmm. landscape, and I'm very detail oriented. You know, and I have rules that I stick by now. You know, that's and a, they're a little different than some of the vampires. It's amazing with the Tolkien stuff because you know he based a lot of that on you know, Irish myths and things, and then just kind of spread it out into his whole, his whole world and what he did. And now it's, it's just amazing to see that that's like, that's the Holy Trilogy, you know, Mm -hmm. from where everything spread forth of everything. So now it's the fact that, and I mean, it wasn't a trilogy, they made him split it up. Yeah, yeah. The publishers, I think, made him split it up. But now people write in trilogies because of that. Yeah. You know, right. it was basically a selling point. It was like, I think they write no in trilogies because of movies now. They want yeah. to be like, well, we got to make three movies. <laughs> no, man. Mission Impossible went to four. Oh, that's yeah. true. And, and Rocky. Wasn't as, yeah. yeah. Rocky. Rock, Rocky's just its own universe. It's yeah. Very, very specific. So, um, is there an art medium? <laughs> you start what? <laughs> Why is that funny? It was just funny the way you did that. Yeah. You put on this. Like, yeah. I was doing my affected voice. <laughs> I was doing my. That was Burt Ward's but manager. But why there? Yeah. Like Burt Ward's manager. I don't know. It was. I, I found it funny. Because if you're going to talk about Stallone, you need to have some kind of, yeah, affectation. That's correct. Sculpting, drums, writing. Web design. Is there any and musicals and improv? Is there any facet you haven't hit in the arts that you want to nail? I, well, I'm pretty pumped on just writing books. I like it. I think I can. I think I could easily, happily keep writing these. You know, because I've created enough. the The next book. The next book is a war. Which, without reading this, it's hard to describe. But it's it's called War of the Vampire. And there's and and a lot of the music is just. You know, there's armies of gargas and a lot of metal and like, and I do vampire or like gargoyle voices. So there's a lot of punk and garage and it's a heavier album. But the third one, that's when it's full on disco, full (laughs) disco, full on period. Rise of the vampire Donna Summer. No, that one's called the day that death was born. Mm. Um, But because I've created my story a thousand years in our future, 
kind of like Game of Thrones. I could probably write a book for every century. There's been a, you know, there's a king of the undead, every new one, every hundred years. And so you could just keep writing. And I like this. I like this thing that I've created. I, I write music. I don't know the thing. I, I jump and justify. We call it an improv. I just, I just write a song about something and I find a way to incorporate it into the story. And out of that, I get this really, some songs don't work. It's like, that was too fucked up. It doesn't fit. You know, it's. I mean, it sounds like a great way to to definitely to keep away from formula. I mean, I think that's yeah. most new new even first books for, of great writers are often really formulaic mm. um, or completely fucked up one or the other. But like, so it seems like a good tool to keep from falling into that. Yeah, it's the music element with the the iPad app that I find most fascinating because my favorite kind of apps, which is so twenty first century. Are the ones that are that are books that aren't put together like books, like um, uh, Richard Dawkins has one called The Magic of Reality, and although he's kind of a weird goofball, the book is great because it's basically a textbook for kids mm. on uh, we used to think lightning was Thor and a hammer, and that's awesome, but this is exactly how lightning works, and that's kind of awesome too. Mm. But the pictures were drawn by uh, this guy David uh, McKean, who did a lot of Neil Gaiman covers and Sandman books. He's an artist and the pictures move, you know, ah. and they do that. And so, and there's no pages. It just kind of slides. And then there's exercises for kids to do. And I got it. Cause I just like the artist. And I think that's fascinating, but incorporating music into a book that's not set up like a book. That sounds really cool to me. And when did you, did you create that yourself with your own? I did the whole goddamn thing. I wrote the book. I wrote all the songs. I played all the instruments. I mixed and mastered it. I made all the art. There's 84 original you know, just digital composites. And I made posters that would exist in this realm. I made like signposts. I made portraits of some of these people. And I did it all. And then I downloaded the app that allows you to build your iPad book. So I just put it all together. And, and there's uh, an app to make an app. It's called like iAuthor or something like that. It's, I think it's iAuthor. And you and just it, drag and drop. It's really easy to just drag and drop and put a book together. People who say something's really easy and did something really cool annoy the shit out of me because it's <laughs> no, not I mean, that really part easy. Of it it's was like the, a guitar player saying, no, it's just easy. You just do this. No, fuck you. You don't. You practice for a long time and you learn how to do it. This is amazing what you're doing. And then you, could, then you added music to it, which is something I haven't heard yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. I'm hoping to see more of this because like, I remember when I read Phil Spector's uh, book, not his biography, but... How to Shoot People and Get uh, It recorded. was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who's going to make the Phil Spector joke first? Yeah. <laughs> yep. But I had like his, I had like his whole like, you know, catalog on an iPod and listened to it while he... Because they're obviously referencing it. Same thing with the Keith Richards book. Like, you know, I sat, I put, I, had a, I put everything, every Stones and Keith's song on an iPod. And then while I'm reading the book, every time they would mention it, you know, you'd... Cause, Play it, yeah. yeah. Because you, there's a lot of times they're referencing something in it. They talked a lot about that other band he was in, too, in that book. Uh, what was that other project he had? Expensive Winos? Yeah. That's a yeah. great band. I never, Which, yeah, that, those records... Are exceptional. Especially really? the first record. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. The musicianship is outrageous it's like you, you hear that record and then you go oh this is why izzy stradlin quit guns and roses because he's gonna go do that yeah. and he did <laughs> it's pretty it's that keith richards record the first one the expensive winos record is oh it's my favorite stones record since you know the early 70s shit only the mctaylor years so here's what's fascinating about having you here do you know is, is brad will try to get him to tell stories and do things and he's like nah i'm saving for my book Ah. <laughs> so you're here and it's vampire set 2000 years in the future oh god which... oh shit it's weird <laughs> rise of the moto goozy <laughs> so uh what do you got on him on goop goop isn't like a crazy guy <laughs> goop could have all kinds of me stories probably like i'm or... see we can't do this because we've got ammo we've got arsenal. oh that's, that's right, right. you, you have to hold on to it. that's exactly why it should happen yeah <laughs> I told a story to Brad about you that I heard from my wife who refuted and Brad was like, I don't think that would have happened. And apparently she said that, and Trish, who can't tell a lie at all, said that she was uh, at the bar and uh, your wife, uh, maybe at the time girlfriend, um, or as I like to call it, ex-girlfriend, when they're now your wife. Uh-huh. You were attending the bar and she was like, <laughs> Dino, this guy just pinched my ass. And she said she watched you fly over the bar and just pick a guy up by his pants legs and throw him out, like immediately. Brad swears that didn't happen. That sounds like Ethan. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if that happened. I used to throw guys out of the bar, but um, 
but, but not not under those two circumstances at the same time. There was one guy who was like a crazy dude once who was saying like really nasty shit, but like a steroids guy, like a crazy redheaded rockaway steroids guy with this enormous black guy. And Nikki had a lollipop and he was like, yeah, I got something for you to suck on. You know, he was saying like crazy shit and she's like, oh, this guy's creeping me out. And I was like, hey, you got to go. And you're yada, gigantic. Yada, yada. <laughs> like, what do you do? Yeah, that's yeah. an awful situation. No, he was scary. And, and, and normally I would grab guys and throw them out, but he was scary. And, and he's with this enormous dude. So I split the difference. His buddy had just bought a drink and his buddy was like, looked kind of smarter and not insane and on steroids. And I just looked at him and I was like, hey, dude. You seem like a really nice guy, and you know, blah blah blah. I'm going to give you your money back for your beer, but you know, your friend he just can't stay. And the guy, and the redhead guy was like, he wants to fight. He wants to fight. And I was like, no, I don't want to fight. I just want you to leave. And and then his friend got so pissed, he just looked at him and walked out. And then the guy finally left, but then he spent the rest of the night standing in front of the bar, going, <laughs> making a. Th- Cut Maybe in the throat. Cut into the throat motion to <laughs> our so, listeners. Dino, I have to say that Dino has been in many situations where even I, as a little guy, would not have been able to refrain from fucking trying to throw down. Like, he's very... I mean, he doesn't drink, which helps, but like... I mean, you used to do the door at, like, Coney Island. Yeah, you gotta and just be... Yeah, you do. You would, you, I would hear Dino, like... You could talk your way out of anything. fucking yeah. asshole. Like, a guy standing at the door begging for somebody to kick his ass. And Dino <laughs> being like, look, you know, like, I really don't have time. I don't want to get into this. I go, and he, I remember saying, he said one time, he's like, I, I gotta tell you, you really, you need to get out of here now. Because <laughs> all the other guys yeah, yeah. who work here, they the reason they do security is because they like to kick yeah. people's asses. <laughs> and like... And I don't. I'm just in a band. He's literally trying (laughs) to reason with this guy. So I'm just saying, like, you should really go now because I I don't want to do that. But one of these guys is going to come out in a minute and they're going to kick your ass. You know what I was just reminded of when he was talking is I do have a Brad Goop story that I can share that is not. It's funny because we were out with the Boston's. I think it was on the tour, and I think we had a night off, and we were somewhere up there, and we were in some fucking bar, and it was all just jocks and frat guys and, and big kids, and, and I was always the designated driver, and I was like, I think we had Vegas with us. I was going to take him, one of the horn guys, back to the thing, and so at this time, it's like th- two or three in the morning. I'm trying to rally everybody, and we have John Connors with us, and John Connors is drunk, Goop is drunk, Johnny T's drunk, and I have pulled the van around, and I'm like, all right, where the fuck is everybody? And Goop comes running up and he's drunk and he's going where is that tire iron and i was like what are you doing and he's like give me that fucking tire iron and i'm like goop what are you doing and he's like those fucking hockey players are gonna get it and i was like wait a minute the hockey players that you're gonna fight and he's like those fucking assholes and i said show me these guys and so i go over there the three of them are like squaring up with these like 22 year old fucking kids they were chewing tobacco <laughs> like drinking beer and chewing and looking at these guys and like yeah you want know to fucking yeah and and i'm like these guys like that's all they do is fight they fight each other when they <laughs> when they can't find guys to fight that's what they do and these guys are drunk and we're all rockered out and i was i just got right in the middle i was like guy somebody connor's is yelling like they want to fight they want to fight and i was like nobody wants to fight i'm like a dad i'm like nobody's fighting not you not them and they were just looking at me and and i just like a dog i was like goop get in the truck get in the goddamn van i had to yell at my own guys like kids so that they were like what freakishness is going on get your goddamn ass in the van you're like <laughs> i just confused the hockey players oh, to the point so, but it, it would have been kidding. so brutal though because they just would have de- there would have been no band the next night it'd been dino unplugged there was no fighters in the band except you're the but only one that the probably could have done you it. realize that there's no fighters and you're like i need an equalizer <laughs> well you know i know who the troublemaker was lug nuts off of a tire <laughs> yeah yeah but you connor's was that. a marine captain so i know that's where that was coming from he was probably like we could take him we could take him <laughs> because he had to hide from the impending cyborgs from the future trying to kill him huh john connor, john connor. Oh, i was okay. waiting for that joke as well okay <laughs> that one almost john connor <laughs> try. it was just john connor yeah how long have you been sober well technically <laughs> i was sober for a long time but then when i moved out to texas i was like i drank for a little while i thought maybe oh you know i was working at my house with this guy and he was like hey man you want a beer and i was like Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I've waited 10 mm-hmm. years. Uh, 
But I'm back. It's been mm. a few years now. Mm. Just was it always a conscious thing? Was it just like not into it, or was it you have that brain? I'm Irish, so when I drink, I become a prize fighter. Mm. A you know, I'm just crazy. Mm. You know, I, I was look at it. Everybody I know who's in recovery or stops drinking, however they do it. I, w- I was like, man, that's just got to be the meanest allergy ever. Because for me, if I eat shellfish, I tend to die in front <laughs> of everyone. Um, if those people are like, if I tend to drink, then I tend to become a completely di- you know that Mister Hyde thing. That's yeah. got some truth to that's it. That's it. That's is that you? Are, are, yeah, like- you just make bad decisions. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. When I start drinking, I'm like. Everybody's like, okay, well, it's one thirty. Time to go home. One thirty. Time to get a case of beer and drive to Galveston. <laughs> Fucking, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and like, and I can always find guys to do it too. They're like, you know, I hadn't really thought of that, but you know, you make it sound really fun. <laughs> you know, and then you wake up. It's like, well, we're gonna need some cocaine for the trip. So you know, it's just yeah. <laughs> uh, you wake up like Kevin Hart. <laughs> you told me this thing one time that you were gonna go. That, that that you and Ruff are going to go travel to, to Europe, and you're like, no, 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 straight in the States. We go to Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can do stuff. Yeah. That's how it uh, works. Well, there was always that rumor. <laughs> you know, when you're dating a girl, when I was dating Nikki, there was always this promise of, like, other chicks and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. But I've been married 10 years, and so far... It's great. Don't get me wrong. I love my wife, but and we can also point out your wife no. builds and uses assault rifles. Yes, yes. So she, yeah. she has the largest. She, she keeps me in line. The the largest like group of women shooters in the country. I Maybe believe. the it might even be. She runs the you know the 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 Austin Sure Shots. Are, there's like 300 core members of women's shooting group and. And, uh, she started with like two people, right? She started. I remember when she started it. She was like, "I just want to find some girls to shoot with," and it's funny because I'm the band guy, and I was like, "Well, you make a flyer and you go to the range and you start talking." And I was literally making flyers for her, mm-hmm. like that looked like punk rock flyers. She shoots from helicopters. Yeah, what? like she it targets. She like yeah. flies out like with people. She'll take you with an assault rifle and teach you. How to shoot and like? Why have we not done this? Wait, why, <laughs> what are you yeah. saying? It sounds incredible. They, yeah, yeah, they do it. You could come down. You guys come down to South by. We can go shoot and salt rifles. We just like to make our hotels a copter. We That's we've been incredible dicking around with. We'll go to South by because Brad's there. Uh, recording Converse. We'll go and like do some podcast stuff. Hang uh-huh. out. Go with. It's always better to go to have barbecue in austin with someone who lives there yes because they know where to go oh, he took me to the most awesome oh, place yeah. last time the best rudy's Which, rudy's is, the is that the place you have to get in line like super early no it's a gas franklin's station. is good okay. but it's you know you can either stand in line because everybody and their brother says right. it's the best or you can go to this place that's just about four or five miles from downtown and it's oh, the best fucking it's really barbecue. really good yeah it's it's the best it's, it's in a gas station it's, it's in a, a gas, gas station, station. But, oh shit i'm in there yet. yeah because I went to the place that I think Nikki took me where it's the, it's like, here's your roll of paper towels. Oh, that's, those are my napkins? Okay. Uh, is that the place that says like the worst barbecue in Texas? It's got like a weird sign. They might have that inside somewhere. I think I went there I actually. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. It's yes. really good. Mm. But you know, I was just telling somebody last night, I was like, you know, after living in New York for like 15 years, the worst barbecue in Texas is still better than the best right. here. It really is. It's There's like the worst the wood. pizza in New York is better than anything in Although they've Kansas come up City. pretty good. Down in Austin with pizza, there's a lot of NYC guys who've moved down there and they build pizza and they build pizza. They, they build, build it. <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna work on a pizza for you, man. Let's start with the foundation. What do you do? Yeah, start with flour, <laughs> right? Pizza engineer. I build pizza. We called- brought in a feller from New York. <laughs> <laughs> is that construction? <laughs> oh, oh, there it is. Shabam. <laughs> Dino's book is called The Rise of the Cafe Racer. It's the beginning of a long, long saga. Dean Jones, the man surfs, the man writes, the man improvises, and if you don't care about any of that, care about the fact that he has his own Adam West Batman costume. Yeah, he's living the life, I gotta say. You know, he's probably... That was a good podcast, but... He's definitely one of those people we could bring back and dig in deeper because having knowing some of the stories that we didn't even begin to touch on about Dean Jones, there's some interesting uh, stuff going on there. Some would say the same about Mr. Brad Goob. <laughs> Do you think it's because you guys both are working on your books? Yeah, mm-hmm. probably. 
<laughs> See, I have no interesting stories to put into a memoir, and no one cares. And I'm also a lousy storyteller, so <laughs> it works out that way. We'll just lie. Yeah, they catch you on that. Well, then it's fiction. Mm. Uh, if you like the show, thanks for listening. If you like it enough, you want to send us some money, that's great. Go to goingofftrack.com, click on the donate button, follow all the prompts, and that's awesome because a podcast is a great way to make even. We like doing it. If you like listen, it's awesome for any help we can get. Check us out at Going Off Track on the Twitter. If you want to send us a little message, go to facebook.com slash going off track. We're getting some nice international donations. We've got one from Portugal I mentioned a while back and one recently, and I can't remember where it was from, but I know that the email I received was in a whole other alphabet. <laughs> so thank you wherever you're from. <laughs> and for once, it was in a different alphabet, and it was sending money as opposed to asking for money. Which was very nice. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, go out and grab Dino's book, The Rise of the Cafe Racer. I think you'll enjoy it, especially if you like those vampire-type novels. And um, we have a, a fun little surprise. Here's what happens if you put Dino and Brad in a recording studio. <laughs> Just drop me in on the chorus. Drop me in on the chorus. I'm coming down. The babies are in the kitchen. I'm gonna fuck mama too. Yeah, that's a wrap. I wanna double that, fuck mama too, with a baritone. I'm gonna fuck mama too. <laughs> Making the baby bed. Put a little Luther sauce on that. Just give me some Luther sauce. Yeah, I'm making hits. Making hits all day. It's a wrap. <sighs> Should I explain that? No. Yeah.